Our third reading this morning is our gospel lesson from the Gospel of Mark in the first chapter. As you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading. Reading begins in the 29th verse. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next town that I may preach there also. For that is why I came. And he went out throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Before we begin our exegesis into Mark chapter 1 this morning, and exegesis is just unpacking what's there, not putting in what we hope is there, I have a little video parable I want to show you. It's about two minutes long, and it is a great parable for what it means to be, as we'll talk about this morning, set free to serve. Now, fair warning, as you watch this little clip, there'll be just a wee bit of satire to get the point across. Okay, this is it. We're going out. First call, time to be a hero. Brennan, come on. Let's go, get this. Get this. Heroes. Not until this place is spotless. Let's go. Come on. Hey, rookie. No, no, no. Keep working out. We're not strong enough yet. No, 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 no. Not yet. It's not a good time. Not a good time. Hey, come on. The fajitas will burn. Calm down. Oh, I just got comfortable. Somebody shut that thing off! 
It's the best part. Nope. No, no, no. Nope. Nope. No, no, it's not safe. I'm not feeling it. Not safe? Seriously? We're firefighters. Slow down there, overachiever. We don't even know if people out there like firefighters. I'm not feeling called. I'm not feeling it. People are dying out there. People die every day, rookie. Don't you think something's wrong here? I mean, isn't it strange that we're a fire station? We don't even put out fires? Nope. We're not getting this one. There's other stations. Come on, it's right next door. Hey, if they want our help, they come and ask us. Well, we go over there acting like we're the big shots. We got all the answers. But, hey, they may not even want our help. Help me! Hey, they could be talking to anyone. You firefighters, help me! I gotta catch this call here. You know what? I don't know if you are like me, like, come on, let him answer the call. For my family members who are firefighters and, and friends, and some of you who are here today, I've been told that the brother and sisterhood in a firehouse is strong, and firefighters would no sooner cut off their own arm than ignore a call. This is their identity. This is who they are. They don't just answer the call because they have to. They answer it because that's who they are. Whether it's the heroism we remember on 9-11 or the daily work and blessings that we receive from our heroes here in our own city and county, we're blessed because those heroes answer the call. This identity causes them to reject some of the excuses that we saw in that video. Excuses that... Honestly, we often feel and experience and face as Christians when it comes to answering the call that God has given us. And for those of us who are baptized into Christ, we have an identity that's grounded in Christ. As we think about the first commandment to have no other gods before us, to to place God at the foremost and center of our lives. It means that our baptismal identity is to be at the core of who we are, whose we are. And just as we, in baptism, as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6, died with Christ and rose with him, we are set free set free from every kind of brokenness that would want to define our identity. And in that identity, we are set free then to serve. Just as a firefighter answers a call, the baptized child of God can't help but be in voice and in action serving. Whether it's in our homes or our workplaces, or our schools, in our recreation, in voice and deed, we are set free to immediately, immediately serve the one who has redeemed us. That word immediately 
becomes important as we come into Mark's gospel this morning. That word immediately is translated 58 times in the New Testament, but 41 of them in the gospel of Mark. And 11 of them just in the first chapter. Immediately we are transformed. Immediately we're called. As one commentator pointed out, Mark knew his audience. The Romans at the time wanted words and actions. And so this word immediately reminds us that we have been set free and transformed for a new life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, as Scott read for us this morning, that when Christ's word heals us, we are set free and we become, as it says, stewards or stewardship of proclaiming the gospel. We have a stewardship or caretakers. This is our baptismal identity, to be caretakers of those who would proclaim the gospel. And the great irony in denying ourselves and placing Christ at the center and moving from a self-absorbed view of the world, we then truly live. If you could just hear the prayers that some of our volunteers are doing with some of our middle schoolers on Wednesday nights, or see the hours and hours of prep work that our VBS volunteers put into as we start turning the corner into VBS season, or the hours of listening that some of our Stephen ministers do over a cup of coffee with those who need a Christian friend, or hear the stories of sacrifice, and I'm privileged to hear as one of your pastors from parents who are making it at work every day to raise their children in the faith. Or see the grandparents who bring their kids here on worship, their grandkids here on worship to make sure that their grandchildren are being raised in the faith. There are all kinds of ways sacrifices are being made and calls are being answered. Jesus answered that call and modeled that for us when he came to this earth and then ultimately set us free by dying on the cross for us. And he did it in the midst of human brokenness. Amid, as one commentator put it, amid the shadows and the mysteries of suffering and pain, the Savior is standing. And that's where Jesus shows up in Mark's gospel this morning. In our gospel reading in Mark chapter 1, well, that whole chapter is a frenetic pace. It's packed with activity. It could leave you breathless if you go home today and read through that chapter. There's so much jammed in that just that first chapter of Mark. Jesus has already preached at the synagogue that morning. He's served proclaimed the new promise that he's bringing. He read from Isaiah and he's bringing this new promise that he is fulfilling. But he doesn't put his feet up. He heads over to Simon 
Peter's home and immediately finds the mother-in-law sick and heals her. The Greek word there literally raises her up. And what does she do? The scripture says immediately she starts serving. And then as the sun goes down and the Sabbath comes to an end, the door starts knocking. And the sick and the broken and the hurting are literally right at his doorstep. This frenetic pace continues until Jesus goes and takes some time away the next morning to pray. Jesus' mission here is a grand sweep. He will end up taking them to all parts of Galilee, as you heard, but then much farther and beyond. We're going to look at all four of these examples that Jesus gives us today as he answers the call. But the first thing I want us to notice is his heart. His heart to heal to heal the broken and to restore the sick. If you are here today feeling broken or in need of being set free, this is what Jesus has come to do. His grand mission to proclaim the good news. The good news which He brings and He brings here again this morning to this place, to you and to me, so that our brokenness and our sinfulness and all of the hurt or just the daily grind of life are not what define us. But it is Jesus that defines us. Our baptismal identity at the core and center of who we are, yes, whose we are. Jesus wants to set us free. Whether it was in the crowded synagogue or the quiet home, Jesus, as one commentator put it, is ready to heal. And he's ready to do that again today as you come to this table of grace a little later. Sometimes people wonder, why the cross The answer is simple. Love. We don't have a God who doesn't understand suffering. (coughs) In our theology of the cross, we understand that Jesus has not yet put an end to suffering in this life. But that that is no longer the end of the story either. He calls us to a new life. As John 3 puts it, we're born again. The brokenness of this world is no longer our defining moment. Jesus defines us. (coughs) He went to the cross to pay for our sins, to be sure. He went to the cross to give us new life, to set us free. He did that because He loves us. And as you become aware and reminded of this gift of grace set free and this new identity, then we are compelled to serve. Out of this new identity 
A new creation, Paul calls it in 2 Corinthians. This new creation, you and I in Christ, then we are compelled to answer the call. Not to earn this gift, not to somehow pay it back or deserve it. It's all a free gift of grace from a God who loves us and is passionately showing his heart. There were so many people healed that Sabbath evening that they didn't even list the individual healings at the end of Mark chapter 1 there. Jesus' heart is for us. And so our life then is called to, having been transformed, to immediately then be his hands and feet. Your life, your calling, the place where you live and breathe, that's the place where God's kingdom comes. And that's the place that God's kingdom comes to the world through you. So not only do we see Jesus' heart for us in Mark, we see this pattern of being set free to serve repeated over and over again. Jesus preaches and and serves in the place of worship. He serves in their homes. He serves with the door knocking in the community. Peter's mother is transformed and immediately she begins to serve. In all of these places, we now have an example of all the places that you and I are called to serve, to carry out this caretaking or stewardship to preach the gospel in word and deed, whether it's our place of worship or our home or our community, God is calling us to answer the call. And Jesus doesn't do this in a, in a, in a vacuum. He reminds us about the third commandment as well because he takes time away in this frenetic place to pray. They go searching for him. Don't you know there's lots to do? But Jesus knew he needed time alone with the Father. And let's be honest, it's not my eloquence that's going to transform us. It's not my fine arguments with people that I love who don't yet know Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that does the transformation. And Jesus remembered to abide with the Father and get away to pray and then go with this rhythm of rest and time with the Father and then fruitfulness. This same pattern, if it's true for Jesus, how much more so is it not true for us to be reminded that it's not about what we do, it's about what God is doing through us and we remember that when we come back to God in prayer. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. So we remember this day that Jesus indeed has set us free. And now he immediately calls us to be stewards and caretakers of this precious gift of the gospel. And in this promise that he's given us, this promise of new life, this promise of hope, this 
promise of a purpose and purpose and meaning in our life comes as a free gift of grace. A free gift of grace that we'll taste again at this table today. I'm praying you encounter that promise anew as you come to this table today. I'm praying that you encounter this gift of salvation anew again today. And then I pray that we would answer the call that comes immediately as we're transformed in this baptismal identity to a world that needs you, a neighbor that needs you, your children and family need you, a congregation needs you. The community is knocking at our door to hear this gospel promise and to be transformed by it. Jesus has set us free to a new life, grounded us in an identity, and just like those firefighters who in their identity could not ever help but not answer that call, God is doing the same in us in our baptismal call to respond to him, set free to serve. In Jesus' name, amen.